Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. So as I said, VBS has been going on all week. It ends today. For some of you, that may be a good thing. You may be, can you please stop talking about VBS? I still don't know what that is. It's when we really pour into our children. It's we go over and above. We have big, giant worship and services and, and screens and crafts and, and drama and, and really like real life, live action skits that we do for the kids so they can experience God's word. And, and what we wanted to do is, is bring the, the family church, the adult church into that experience by literally teaching and preaching the same content that's taking place back there with all of you. And, and that's what we're doing today. And the point that the children are learning is our Life Is series. Every week we hear about what is going on in life and what is life all about and what can we learn from life and, and, and what does the Bible say about life. And we've gone through a number of things. We've talked about life being unfair. Oh yeah. Look, it's true. Rains on the just and unjust. It's unfair at times, but that's life. It's scary. Yeah, there's moments in life where, whoo, it throws us some curveballs and we don't know how to hit them. Life is full of change. As soon as we get comfortable, it seems like life flips, flips a switch and we're now we're doing something else. And, you know, life is also, it's full of sin. It's all around us. It's unavoidable. And therefore, bad things happen to good people and bad people. So today, we wanted to see the other side of life. Life is full of goodness. Amen. Look, I was being real with the past four weeks. Like, that is real life, but life is also full of goodness. You know, the sweet look of a little baby, you know, when they're not crying and they don't want anything and they just look with those little, you know, full blue eyes. Aww. You know, you walk outside in the Sunday, on a Sunday morning and the sun just is rising and it's beating when you feel so good. You know, or you get good news at work or you, your favorite... TV show is coming on and you're excited about that or whatever. Life is full of lots of goodness. But as we've been learning in this series, we're going to continue the same way. But God is good. Right. And so you know, my wife, she was proofreading this for me. Amber told me I need to have somebody proofread. So she was proofreading. She goes, Sean, I think you got this one wrong. It's supposed to say, and God is good. Like, of course, life is, is good and it's full of goodness and God is good. But no, what the kids are learning is it's, it's but God is good because often what happens, Christians or non-Christians, is we go through life and we experience all this goodness and we often forget perhaps where it comes from. We forget how we got there. We forget that it wasn't by our own strength. You know, even if you don't love God today, it's, there's very little you can accomplish in America by yourself. You need help from teachers, from society, from culture, from government. You need support. You can't do anything by yourself. Steve Jobs, Bill Gates had a lot of help. As Christians, life is full of goodness. It is. But God had a lot to do with that. And the whole point of the sermon today, the main point of the sermon, 
is to remember God's goodness when things are bad and tough and also when things are really good. You know, when things go really, really, really good in your life, you sometimes just get comfortable with how good they are. And maybe you stop praying as hard and worshiping as hard and reading as hard. You know, we make goals. We accomplish success. And when you do that is your first response to give God glory. You know, even the football players can do it these days. They score a touchdown, and they're like, they get on the mic, glory to God. I love seeing it. You know, back when I was a little kid, that happened rarely. It happens all the time now. Amen? I mean, if, the, if they can use their platform, surely we can use our platform, right? Take time to remember how good God is. Take time to remember the goodness in your life. That's what the kids are learning. The Bible says very clearly, and actually I want you to turn this time. This will be the only verse you have to actually turn to because the rest is stories. Turn to James. Most of you know this scripture. It's the first chapter of James. You know, it's about three quarters. At, no, wait a minute. Maybe about seven eighths through your Bible. James chapter one, you can spin to it. This is a verse you should highlight. If it's not highlighted in your Bible, highlight it. Yes, the pastor said right in your Bible. It's okay. If you have a Bible app, it lets you highlight it. There's a little, little feature there at the bottom. The Bible says very clearly, it says in James 1 verse 17, whatever is good and perfect. Yes, there are things in your life that are good. There are things in your life that are perfect. There are. Not just because, men, you have obsessive compulsive disorder and you make things perfect. No, there are actual things in your life that have lined up right. They are good. And it says all of these things are a gift. Literally a gift from God. It says, is a gift coming down from us, from God our Father. It's unmistakable. You can't confuse it. You can't misinterpret it. If there is something good and right in your life today, God ordained it. He made it so. Therefore, today, we're to remember that despite what we are going through, that God is good and he has goodness for you in your life. Think of all the blessings in your life. Think of all the blessings that led you to where you are right now. God was the composer, the author, the painter of your life. And when he was orchestrating that, when he was painting and, and designing your life, there were lots of moments of goodness in it. And you've lived some of them probably. You can recall some of them. I mean, think of how you're here right now. Uh, Saray just got up and left because her and her husband are, are, are helping us with all the food. But I was thinking about her as I stood up. You know, Saray was going on a trip to get away from life, to go with a friend. I forgot where. Some, some destination wedding. She was going with a friend. And she's in line to, to go through security. And there's some guy in the other line right next to her looking at her saying, hey, he don't know her. He just ran into her. They bumped into each other. And, and she says hi, and they say hi. They end up going on the same trip to the same place, two different reasons. They end up falling in love and getting married. God is good. Matt, you played these games, and you were online, and you were interacting, and, and that one day you ran into this woman, 
And you find out you have a lot in common. You find out after, you know, engaging in relationship that this is the woman for you. Imagine that day. Imagine if you just slept in that day or you were sick that day. You see, we think of these things and we wonder if they're just coincidence, just random coincidences in the great order of the world that just so happened. Really? I mean, God is so good. And it's easy, it's easy, it's easy when things are going good to say God is good. But when we have these challenges and problems, we sometimes, we, we, we neglect looking back on our life. We look back on those things that were good. It's hard to remember that those things were good. We have problems all the time. You know, look, we just moved into a home and we have a pool. And it seems like every week something else is breaking or going wrong with the pool. If it's not the water, it's the filter. If it's not the filter, it's this thing. If it's not that, and everything's expensive and it's such a stress. And then the Lord's like, are you kidding me? You have a pool. There's blessing in everything that we do. There's blessing in everything, brother. I, uh, I was a young man in high school, and I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. The Lord healed me from Crohn's disease. What do I, what, what do I have to complain about? When I was a senior in college, I was engaged to marry, to marry Bridget, and I was traveling back and forth, and I was in an almost tragic car accident. Broke my neck in several places. Medical miracle. God is good. One of my kids required surgery, the doctor told me. I told him no. He told me I was negligent. I told him I'm taking to church. After church, he got healed. I didn't make that up. That's a real story. That's a real story. You know what? It happened right here in this building. Right here at Kingsway. Amen? We often forget how good God is when we go through our troubles and trials. Hey, I have a wife. I have children. I have a home. Most of you have families. You're sitting here in a cold church. How bad could it be? God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Okay, so you're like, Pastor Sean, you've been belaboring it. I totally get it. Like, this was such a simple message. Yeah, it is simple. Let, let's test out your new knowledge. Let's, let's see if you, can, if you can use it here. Let's see. So the verse today that the kids are learning was this one, and then we take the story back. We go back to the Israelites and, and their captivity in Egypt and their exodus out of Egypt and crossing the Red Sea and into the wilderness. And there's this verse here that we run up on. Here it is right here. It's Exodus 15.22. It says, Then Moses led Israel forward from the Red Sea, and they marched out into the wilderness. Let that settle in. Look at the words. And now just imagine it. Moses led out from the Red Sea and they marched out into the wilderness. All of your Bible teaching, your Sunday schools, just let it, let it just like kind of create an image in your mind. Now pause. What do you see? In your mind, what do you, when you read this verse, what do you see? I'll tell you what I saw the first time I read it. And most people, when I talk about this verse and the verses around it, what I see is marching out into the wilderness because they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. When we talk about Exodus, we always talk about the wilderness. I get this mental image of a bunch of people walking out looking lost. You guys remember this show, right? I mean, just, here we go, just take all these million people and just, you're in the wilderness, just go roaming around, see what you can come up with. Lost. 
I'm just pointing out, in this very verse, it leads with, they're moving forward from the Red Sea. They came up to the Red Sea, they were complaining. Ah, Lord, you led us to our death. We can't possibly get through this. Why would you do this? I'd rather be a slave. Complain, complain, complain. Lord splits the Red Sea. They march right through the Red Sea on dry ground. They get to the other side. The Lord takes them into the wilderness. Complain, 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 complain. And then everybody remembers Exodus for the wilderness. Whatever happened to the Red Sea? That was kind of a big deal. That was God being good. That was God being real good. Do you see how hard it is? We have a short memory. In this story of Exodus and and, and the Jewish people, they had a very short memory. God did so many amazing things to them, and yet they felt lost and complained most of the time. And the reality is, is no matter how much I tell you God is good, no matter how much I say all the time, no matter how many testimonies I share with you, the reality is many of you sit here today and you probably feel lost. You don't know exactly what to do. You don't know ex- what's coming next. You don't know what to say to so-and-so or for what and what. And you wonder, wow, is, is God up there? Is he helping me? Is he, you know, I just, I don't know. And I could preach a lot of sermons of some advice for you, but the advice today is very simple. Remember how good he is. Remember how you got here right now. Remember that he knows what's coming next. The title of the message is very simple. You're not lost. Quite frankly, you're not lost. I mean, very spiritually speaking, you're not lost. Most of you, if not all, are Christians today. I've interacted with most of you. If you're a Christian today, by definition, you're not lost. Jesus Christ says you are found. Amen? Now, as Christians, I I wanted to share this one thing. Sometimes... We get caught up in that sin, and we get caught up in, in the world, and, and maybe we even have friends that are lost, or we have children that we raise up in the church, and, and then they, you know, they begin to rebel or backslide. These are old school words. They begin to do their own thing and pursue life their own way, and, and they appear lost. And, and that's a real thing. People do backslide and, do, and, and, and run away from God's grace, in fact. And, and I tell you, a prayer that I used to use uh, a few parents and, and a prayer that I use for my kids and I pray all the time for the youth uh, and I want to just remind you guys and share with you today is, look, God can do anything you ask him to. You heard it in the word this morning. You heard it in worship today. I used to pray that God would tie a rope around my heart and if I would run and I would run from him, I'd pray that that rope would have a limit and when I hit that limit, he would just yank back. I said, Lord, you have permission to yank on me as hard as humanly possible if I start running. And let me tell you, a bunch of times I did, and the yanking was not fun. My point is, he honored that prayer, and he'll honor your prayers too. If you have those that are struggling with being lost, and you have those that are struggling in your family, ask the Lord to tie a rope around him and tug him back and watch what happens. You have not because you... But those who are saved aren't lost. Of course you're not lost. You may be going through a time you don't understand. You may be going through a situation you don't know what's next, but that doesn't mean you're lost. It doesn't mean you're lost at all. Let me tell you another quick story. My wife and I got married, and we had kids and we're happy. No, my wife and I got married, and the, the next day after our wedding, we didn't want to go back to our home church. We just got married in that church. We didn't want to have to say hi to everybody and just do the whole social thing, and we just wanted to go to church. 
Got married on Saturday. And so um, I told my wife, I know this awesome church that my buddy goes to. They got awesome worship. They got tons of people. They're all young adults. It'll be great. It's called Central. Let's go to Central. She's like, I've never heard of it. Okay, let's go. So my wife and I get in the car and we try to head to Central. I didn't even really know where it was. They told me it was on Rossville Boulevard somewhere. And so I come down one of these Gum Springs or Rossville and I'm driving down the road. And, you know, I was a young kid. I didn't know what was going on. We didn't have GPS. And I, I took a, a turn down the wrong Gum Spring. It was this particular Gum Spring. And I ended up at the end of the spot. I ended up in this parking lot at this church. And she says, this is in Central, honey. This is Kingsway. First lesson as a married husband. We don't know where we're going. Yeah, okay, well, this is where I'm meant to go. Of course, we're going to try out this church. It looks nice. Completely lost. Completely, at least in my mind. Never heard of this place. You think the Lord knew what he was doing? You think the Lord knew what he was doing? We attended one service. We spent the next uh, couple years at our home church as youth pastors. And uh, then we got called to move out of that church. And I said, let's try out that Kingsway place again. Um, we came back to Kingsway. And uh, Pastor Terry was here. And the next week, that's when we heard all this. We had all this going on with my son. And we came back a second time. And he was having a healing service. And we prayed for Austin. And Austin got healed. Didn't need surgery. And I said, wow, this is the place. My point is we weren't lost thought we were lost, thought we didn't know what was going on. I had no idea what 16 years later I'd be standing here preaching to y'all. Some of you were here at that time, amen? God is good all the time. I can't figure it all, I can't explain it all to you, but it's true. Back to the, 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 the story that we're at. The Jews were promised the promised land. They came out of Egypt, out of captivity, into the wilderness. They were promised to go through the wilderness to the promised land. You know they made it there, right? I don't know how many of you remember this part of the story. But the Jewish people, that generation, they made it to the promised land. They got right to the front door. And, and Moses said, take 12 people and go on in and tell me what you see. 10 people came back and said, we ain't going there. Don't want to go to the pro. I don't know. I mean, it sounded good, but I'm not going there. There are giants in the land. We can't take them. Two people said, one of them was Caleb, one of them was Joshua, said, we can do it. Let's go. At this point, God is like, so uh, let's see. I, I took you out of captivity. I took you through the Red Sea. I got you through the wilderness. I had the pillar of fire, the manna from heaven, the quail, the Ark of the Covenant, all that. And you're going to complain again? I'm, you're at the promised land and you won't go in it? Made it through droughts, captivity, made it through plagues. You see, the choice is yours. The choice is you can opt to feel lost at times and journeying into the unknown with God, knowing how good he is and knowing what he has done, or you can blame and complain. Why do we blame and complain? I was just talking to somebody in the lobby, because we're good at it. We're designed to be in God's presence, but as Americans, we're learned to blame and complain. Really good. If you allowed most of us to do it all the time, we'd be professional blamers and complainers. It's because we can't see God's goodness, or we refuse to see. They refuse to see the generation after generation of God's goodness in their life. They refuse to remember what God did at the Red Sea. They refuse to remember the man of the quail, the whole nine yards. They refuse to see all that. And so they refused to see the possibility that God would take down these giants and give them the land he promised. God got so mad at them. 
What is this all about? This blaming, complaining, it's as much about taking things in our own hands. You know, we like to do that. We want to control our lives and we want to control our own destiny. And so when, when they saw the giants in the land, they're like, we can't kill them. I can't do that. So I'm not going to. Well, you didn't have to. God was going to do it. God told him, because you're complaining so much, because you're taking it in your own hands, I- I'm going to take it out of your hands. You no longer will be able to go to the promised land. All of you over 20 will no longer see the promised land. Only the youngins will, except for Joshua and Caleb. Let's let that settle in for a second. God redirected all of them because they're blaming and complaining. If you think that your blaming and complaining doesn't have an impact on your future, you are sadly mistaken. Your blessing may pass right on down to your children. And that's ultimately what we want. Don't we want our children to be blessed more than us? Of course we do. But God has something in store for you, and we need to be careful that we're not looking at it this way. So maybe the, maybe the, the Jewish people heard the message from the frying pan, you know, out of the frying pan in the fire. They heard that, and they heard th- this particular part. Maybe they heard, if it looks bad, maybe you're looking from the wrong side. Right? So it looks bad in captivity. Well, looking on the other side of the Red Sea, it's not so bad. Now we're across the Red Sea. We're in the wilderness. It looks really bad. Okay, take me to the promised land. A little milk and honey. It's not so bad. I get to the land of milk and honey. Now look from that side. Oh, it is bad. You see? You can take this verse, but you can start complaining about every side you look at it. And that's what the Jewish people did. Whether it was Egypt or the wilderness or Canaan. They tried to look at it from the other side. But when they did, they continued to forget about God's goodness. They couldn't remember God's goodness. They couldn't lean on him because of the trials. It's one of the songs we just sang. You know, we're going to go through trials. Well, why do they call it a trial? I don't know. There's a lot of reasons why, perhaps. One reason is, is he is trying us to see who we'll lean on. Will we lean on him or will we lean on ourselves? When we go through a trial, will we go back into the recesses of our memories and remember how good God is when we were a child, when we were in our 20s, when we were in our 30s, all the things he did, or we just complain about where we are right now? That's what a trial is. As you let that settle in, this scripture, this story reminded me of something about one generation and the other generation. It reminded me that God is constantly doing things on the shoulders of generations. He does this a lot. He does this in Scripture. Uh, Jacob, and he had Joseph, and then Joseph went into Egypt. There was a generational blessing that took place. And then from there, his generation passed away, and a and multitude of generation of Hebrew people came. And then they were in captivity, and they got out of captivity, and now they're going to the promised land. And they weren't able to get into the promised land for whatever reason. And yet their next generation was able to stand on their shoulders, and they were able to get into the promised land. And the next generation stood on their shoulders, and they were able to go to the next step, and the next step, and the next step. Do you see what I'm saying? We need each generation that is here in this church today. This church, this building was built by a generation that we are standing on their shoulders this very moment. Respect where we came from, respect where we're going because we're going to stand on somebody's shoulders and somebody's going to stand on ours. Amen? So as I thought about that and prayed about that, I realized, why don't we remember God's goodness as part of generations? It was really obvious looking at these scriptures. I want to share with you real quick. Uh, And I'm not going to pick on anyone. I'm going to pick on everybody. So the older generation, what was obvious to me, is the older generation, when they got to the promised land, they were really good at blaming and complaining. They complained about everything, everything, the food, the water, the milk and honey, the giants, they complained about everything. You see, part of the problem, our older generation, is we we generally become more cynical as life goes on. 
And, and, and that cynicalness, if you will, that cynicism is merely a symptom of you forgetting how good God is. Because if you remind yourself of how good God is every single day and what he's going to do for you today, there's no reason ever to be cynical, to blame or complain. Amen. Now, for our younger generation, ain't so easy. The younger generation don't have a problem with that. They have a different type of problem. It's called zeal without wisdom. They just want to do everything and don't worry about the consequences. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it and we'll see how the chips will fall. I won't complain. I'm just going to rush right into it. David tried that, and he got his best friend killed. We talked about that in the Ark of the Covenant. There are challenges with remembering how good God is in all that we do. And we're going to hear about the younger generation in a second here. But I want to also remind you this. God promised them the promised land. God made promises to each one of you. And God's promises are yea and amen. That means that God is going to see his promises through. He's going to finish the job one way or another. He's going to finish the job with the generation he's working on. And if he doesn't, he'll use the next generation. And for some of us, there is a job to be finished here at Kingsway. Do you hear me right now? That job was not completed with the previous pastors or the previous generations. That job is going to be finished with the new set of generation. Are you up for it? Are you ready to finish the job and stand on the shoulders of the previous generation? Amen? Some of you are primed and ready. Joshua 3 9. So we go back to this story. What happened was all of that generation ends up wandering the wilderness for 40 years and they pass away. What are they left with? They're left with the younger generation who then, led by Joshua, comes up to the promised land one more time. And this time they say, we're going to take that promised land. We're going to go right in. We're going to do what we have to do. They come up to this giant river, the Jordan River. God took them there in the middle of the spring when the river was just flowing so heavy. And all of them were so excited. They were so excited. Joshua said, we're going to take the land. They said, okay. They got up the next day once they arrived. They got up the next day. The priest started moving forward. And they all just ran towards the river. This, what were they thinking? I don't know. This is zeal without wisdom. They were running. They were thinking, I guess, I'll just get to the river. I don't know. I'll just swim across. There's a raging river, and they all ran to it because they expected. They got finally to the promised land. They knew God had promised it, and they were ready to go. But God said something very interesting about his goodness. Right as they were, the priests were moving towards the river, and all the younger generation, God said this. He said, come. And listen to what the Lord your God says. There are times in our life where we see God's goodness and we just want to rush right into it. And he says, even in the moment of him being good, even in the moment of his greatest victory, in the moment of his goodness, he wants you to stop and listen to his word. This is always what God desires. He wants you to stop and spend some time with him. The promised land was ready for the taking. Look what he says next. He says, today you will know that the living God is among you. Today you will know that God is good all the time. And all the time that God is good. Don't we know this already? My point, church, is whether you're an older generation or a younger generation, every day you wake up, whatever you are faced with, remind yourself that God is good. And today you will know that he is the living God, all-powerful God, and almighty God. The point of the message is to slow down. Slow down. God intends to show his goodness to you 
In the midst of all of his goodness in the promised land, he wants you to slow down. In the midst of the trials, the tribulations, he wants you to slow down. We live in a fast-paced life, a race to finish our schedules, a race to keep up. Do we schedule time to listen? Do we schedule time to spend time with him? This is Joshua. The whole first chapter of Joshua talks about meditating on his word. Meditating doesn't mean to just sit there and just ponder into the black abyss on his words. We get, we get that word from Eastern religions where we think we're kind of sitting here and just doing this and we're just going, um, getting, getting peaceful. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Getting a little balance in your life is probably a good idea. And taking a second to take a deep breath, probably also a good idea. But that's not the type of meditation that God was saying here. The, the word meditation here was meaning to speak it into your life, to speak God's word into your life, to remind yourself in a prayer closet in a time that God is good all the time and all the time to meditate on his word, to allow God to speak to you before you rush in. God had something to say to those young bucks before they rushed into the promised land. And guess what he was going to say to them? Something pretty awesome. He said, before you rush in, don't worry. Get to the water and don't go in. Just stay and watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to send the priests in. When their foot touches the water, boom, I'm going to open it again. You're going to walk on dry land. Wouldn't you rather have God to tell you more awesomeness before you're about to get into it? Sure, you have something exciting in your life about to happen. Take a second. Remind God that you know how good he is and watch him take your goodness into a whole nother level. Amen? You tracking? Joshua 4, verse 5. They get to the other side. They did it. They're ready to conquer it. They've now split the Jordan. This, this generation, remember, splitting the Red Sea, going through the wilderness, splitting the Jordan. They're now on the other side. They know that God has given them the land. They're about to conquer it. The promises that they've heard told over all the years are finally about to come true. Don't you think they were expecting to run and just go in and experience God's presence and experience these promises that are in their life? Maybe. But I want to remind you real quick here of what happened when they crossed over the Jordan. And this is what the kids are learning right now. Joshua 4, 5 says, Go into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder. Here's where it gets good, church. They had just crossed through the Jordan. It's a big river. They got through on dry land. They're on the other side. They're on the banks. They're trying to head forward into the promised land. And God says, whoa, 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 stop. You see, the part you're kind of missing here, because you have to read the verse before and the verse after, it's implied. Go back into the river. Well, I just got through it. I want you to go back into that river and pick up some big boulders. What? Like this was your grand plan? This was your grand plan? This was the promised land? Why would God say this? They have, this generation was eager and zealous did everything that he said to do. They got to the other side. Now God said, will you do this one more thing for me? Will you go back? Go back. Twelve stones in all. Twelve stones, twelve people. Last time they sent twelve people, ten came back complaining. This time they sent the twelve people back into the river. I mean, you have to understand here, the, the, the water walls were holding up. They saw any moment the water walls could have came down. They're on, they're safe. God says, no, 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 go back, go back to your past. 
Go back into your history. Go back where it's painful. Go back where it's tough. Go back where it's dirty. Go back where you don't want to be. Go back and pick up one of them stones and bring it here. Build me a memorial. Why would he say that? I don't want to think about my past. I don't want to think about all that nastiness. I'm put it behind me. Forget, forgive and forget, right? Mm-mm. Our God says go back and pick up the biggest of those stones. Don't, don't, don't pick up the little ones like we did last week. Pick up the big ones. The ones that you stepped on to get here. The ones that define you. The ones you'd rather forget. The ones you'd rather be buried under the river when the river comes so no one else would ever see it again. The ones you would know you stepped on but no one else would. Go back and pick up one of those and bring it here and create a memorial for me. Kids are doing it right now. It actually looks something like this. This is a kid's picture that they're building. They're big boulders. Look what they're doing. I'm sure that's how you would feel, right, if you went back in your past and picked up one of them boulders. Yeah, I'm so happy, Lord, I got to carry this around. God wanted to remind them that he had got them there. It was his power, and he didn't want them to forget. In fact, he said, you're building this memorial so you can tell your children about how good I am, about how powerful I am. We cannot forget how good God is, no matter what we're going through in our life. You know, I thought about this. I thought about this a lot as I was preparing this message. Those stones, they were put there way before probably many of these people were born. Giant, 12 giant stones in the middle of a river, waiting, waiting for the Israel people to pass through, to cross over them, to step on them. There are all sorts of things in your life that you wonder if they're there in your past by happen chance. Ugly things, terrible things, good things, scary things, unfair things, changing things, sad things, sinful things. Why are they there? God says he wants you to go back and pick up the biggest one Put it right smack in the center of your life. Look at it and say, remember what I did for you to get you where you are now through that. It's a memorial to God's power. Church, God's people back then and all of you, we are not lost today. You may not know exactly where we're going in your life, in this church. God does. Our job is to put our foot in the water, watch it open, step on our past, get through it, and say, wow, God is good. When life is good, God is good. I'll share this last story, and then I'm going to pray for all of you. Let this settle in. We're not going to need the worship team, the worship band. I'm going to pray for all of you out in just a few seconds. I wanted one last image picture to, to describe this to you as we dismissed and and I just couldn't get it I just Lord usually gives me these stories or these images or something about my personal life and I'm like Lord I don't have anything so I'm just going to pray and close and I, I was I was at my desk very late last night and my wife had given me this iced tea and, it, and I had this fly who was in my office the whole time I was praying preparing it was annoying mm, me like crazy Bzz, it was popping on me and it was getting on my glass, it was, it was just, and I didn't have time to focus on the, the flies, so I was focusing on this, 
And then at one point I realized, you know, fly, it's, it's a living creature, it's not so bad, I'm not going to kill it or smack it, I'm just going to let it do its own thing. And then occasionally a fly would sit right on my Bible or sit right on my computer and I would look at it. And I would zoom in with my phone, I was like, yeah, it's got eyes and wings, it's actually not so bad, the fly's okay, hopefully it'll disappear. Well, I began to feel for this fly, it's like, it's actually trapped in my office, it's probably worse off than I am, but you know what, little fly, God is good all the time, God has a plan for you. I don't know what it is, but he does. Right about then, that little fly flew right into my iced tea. Now, I could have got really mad. Like, I wasn't going to drink it anyway, but I was like, golly, who knows? The flies are nasty and dirty. Now I have to, you know. But I thought about something. In that one second, it's in my iced tea. It's in a glass. I put my hand over the glass. Fly's now trapped. Fly's now really lost. Fly now's in a bad situation. And then I was able to take that glass my hand on it, go outside, open the door, and release it. Then the fly could get out and go do his business, and out he went. How do you think that fly felt while he was trapped? He didn't know his future, his destiny. So is with all of us. Sometimes God puts us in awkward situations. He puts us in places we do not know how we're going to get out of. We feel lost. We feel like he's not there. But he's just moving you through a Red Sea, moving you through a Jordan, and unleashing you into a promised land. Because God is good. And all the time. Will you stand with me? Heavenly Father, Lord God, I am so thankful for this day. I am so thankful for what you're doing. I am so thankful for our worship this morning. I'm so thankful for your presence. But Father God, if you don't do another thing for me, I will honor you the rest of the days of my life. Because you are good. Father, I could take weeks just talking about the testimonies of your power in my life. You've done so much in my life, in my childhood as a kid with my family growing up, as, as a student in high school and college, as a young married man, as, as a young father, Father God, as a businessman, you've done so much in my life, Father. I don't need you to do another thing. And Lord God, I thank you that you did all those things. But if you didn't, I pray, Lord God, that I'd be wise enough to look at your word and see what Jesus Christ had done for me already. Lord, you had sent Jesus to this planet to live for us and to die for us, Father God, and you are good. Father God, this world is full of goodness, and I pray that in the midst of our most prosperous times, in the midst of when everything is coming together for good, when everything is working together, Father God, I pray that all of us will be able to sit in that moment and look at our memorial and say, you brought us out of that into this. And Father God, I pray that each and every soul under the sound of my voice will experience that moment. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church says, amen and amen. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.